Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Glenn Stallsmith. Glenn is a pastor who serves two United Methodist churches in rural North Carolina. He's also a Ph.D. student at Duke Divinity School. For 12 years, he lived in the Philippines, working as an ethnomusicologist with Wycliffe Bible Translators. He's also the reviews editor of Global Forum on Arts and Christian Faith. I give you Glenn Stallsman. Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be back. So you're in a room at Duke Divinity School, which, I, I mean, I love the school, but my concern is our listeners can't see this because it's audio only, but there's these ceiling tiles look asbestos-ridden. Like, <laughs> no is way. there asbestos there? <laughs> there can't be. No way. No. All right. There's none. No, we're going, the whole campus is going uh, tobacco smoke-free by 2020. We just got an email from the from the university president. So there's no way asbestos is, is still around. So we walk by faith and not by sight. That's right. Which, you know, this is kind of the theme of Acts 4. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Acts 4, the, the Easter season Acts series. Yeah, why do we do the Old Testament? As Acts. I don't know. Is, is it because the, there's a new covenant and we're, this is the new Exodus kind of Old Testament history kind of stuff? Or is it, or is it just that narrative perhaps gets that slot? Yeah. I don't but it's interesting because we have the apostles on trial. And what do you do when you're on trial? I make excuses and evade and blame other people. My lawyers tell me never to answer any questions. I don't have to. Well, I like that. Yeah. That's what Michael Cohen should tell Trump. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, don't give any information away that you're not asked directly. Yeah, but it's it's, it's interesting because the apostles seem like, um, at least Peter seems like a terrible client. He says, yeah, exactly. ruler of the people and elders. <laughs> if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and asked how this man has been healed, let it be known. People of Israel, the prophecy has been fulfilled. The um, the stone rejected has become the cornerstone. This is not and, a great client. No, no, he's getting himself in trouble, isn't he? Yeah, and he's airing out this uh, this analogy that he brings out again in his first epistle. This uh, living stone, cornerstone thing. Jesus yeah. is the stone that was rejected, and then he adds to the to Psalm one eighteen that he's quoting from. This is the stone that was rejected by you. So he personalizes it. That's where we get the Old Testament, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's quoting it. He's working it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my wife said something. It was in my Easter sermon. I said, you guys do this. She says, usually you say we. Mm. But sometimes, sometimes you have to say you. But it's a you inclusive, right? I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Because he's pointing the finger at himself, too. He knows. 
Yeah, and that came up. If, if anyone preached from from the lectionary Acts text uh, last Sunday, that was the issue there, right? He kept saying you, 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 uh, but 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 including himself in the you, like we all did this. Yeah. Are you going to preach on this? I do. I tend to preach from Acts in Eastertide. You're so an I, Acts I, guy. You're a church guy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I feel like it's just a great it's great to launch from Easter Sunday and then talk about the kind of community that was formed around the resurrection of Christ. And I think that's why it's in a lectionary here. It's so like tend- spring training, you're the manager, like you're hitting ground balls to the church, like, hey, we've screwed up a lot. We're Methodists. Yep. We do a great potluck dinner, but we don't always do the best like doctrinal kind of church actual doctrine ethics and hey, spring training. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get out there. Get our uniforms dirty. <laughs> That's right. So what's your closer? Like when you're preaching this text, what's your closer? Oh, man, I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, I do know one thing, though, um, and this is going to be in contrast to the John passage, um, is it seems like, you know, we're, we're speaking against two different groups of rulers. Peter here in Acts 4 is coming against the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and then some Sadducees. Um, whereas in in John 10, Jesus is coming against the Pharisees. And I think there might be some significance there. Um, we understand that the Sadducees were the group that were scandalized by resurrection. You know how you were, know that? Because they were sad, you see? Sad, you see. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't believe in the afterlife. You're sad, you see. Yeah, so that's why they're so irritated, right? I think the word I think the word annoyed is actually in verse two of the NRSV. They were much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So so not just that Jesus himself was resurrected, but that because of that we have we have access to that same resurrection. And that that was a paradigm buster for the Sadducees. Yeah. That's why they're testifying. That's why they're called into court. Speaking of court, let's go to First John. All right. If anyone is angry with us, we have an advocate. Or, you know, if we sinned against, if we're sinned against, actually, if we've sinned, (laughs) (laughs) we have an advocate with the Father. But when when people are angry with us, we usually feel entitled. Mm -hmm. But this this is the, it's like John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 echoes John 3.16. He yep. laid his life down that we can be born again and lay down our lives for other people. And I'm guessing that's where the uh, the shepherd connection comes in, and that's why we're getting this on Good Shepherd Sunday. You think you think that's a reasonable uh, I- inference? When is Bad Shepherd Sunday? <laughs> that's the one. That's the one you want to preach, right? Yeah, I think it should be Good Good Shepherd Sunday. There's that great story. Is that Elizabeth Elliot says this story where she's in New Zealand, I think, and the shepherd is bathing the sheep in this like weird toxic chemical bath. 
Mm. And the sheep is like, it's a young sheep. Like, and basically he's doing it to keep the lime or to keep the lice and like all these mites off it. Mm -hmm. And she says, she realized like, it looks like he's killing the sheep, Mm. but he's saving the sheep. And, and that's what baptism feels like. That's what all this, like Mm. the good shepherd, like often feels like when he's saving us, it feels like he's killing us. Yeah. Yeah. That can preach. John Wesley loved the book of first John. I, and I think it's because he had he was always looking for some kind of evidence or assurance of faith. Um, he wanted it, of course, to be more than just uh, just something that we affirmed in our heads or spoke with our spoke with our tongues. But he was always looking for that heart strangely warmed kind of assurance. And I I, I think we see that here. By the way, like, strangely warmed friend of the podcast, Jason okay. Michelli. <laughs> All right, make sure Taylor get that there. Taylor even tear. <laughs> production guy. And we get that kind of lined out assurance here. Like, like John is saying, this is how, you know, like in case there's any doubt about what, what love looks like here it is. Yeah. And, and I think some people have, have said that this Johannine community was affected by some kind of split and people weren't treating each other like they should. And he's writing to whatever group remains or whatever group he sides with. And says, this is how you know. Like, so again, you could make clear connections with the good shepherd, the false shepherds, um, the hired help from John 10 uh, versus those who – versus the true shepherd who is Christ. Uh, those and you're, are all themes and you're in that the midst through. of this stuff as a Methodist right now, right? Like there are all these people that – isn't your denomination kind of coming apart at the seams? That's what everyone keeps threatening. Yeah. So how do, you, we, how do you think about this? Uh, I, I try not to. Um, nothing will happen until general conference meets and decides to do something. So I let them do it. Those people that got elected to do that. Somebody needs to preach that sermon. Like everybody's trying to divide everybody. And hey, mm. first John. And there are if if you say there are two sides, and if we want to make that debate that reductively simplistic, um, you could argue that there are people on both sides who are or would lay down their life. So yeah. both there'd be people across the spectrum who'd pass that litmus test. So don't stop thinking of me. Don't make me feel this way. Come on over and love me. You know I want you to stay. Speaking of laying down their lives, let's go to the gospel. All right. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who's not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and runs away. How do we know, Glenn? How do we know? How do we know whether we're the hired hand or not? Yeah. I know. Like, So is this just a condemnation to, to anyone who's ever received a paycheck for, for being in ministry? I don't know. It might be. I, I I read a good uh, a good take on this where where somebody said it's not it's not whether or not you receive a paycheck it's whether that paycheck is your identity yeah so so are you first and foremost called are you a, a person whose vocation is ministry or or is it just your profession or or something that you do to collect the paycheck in in which case 
you're the first one out the door in times of trouble. Yeah, and Jesus is the first one in the door, I guess, at times of trouble. He, he's even the door. If you read and the door John. and the door, <laughs> he's everything. He's the door and the, he's the plumbing. He's the gutter. He's everything. And he's the shepherd. The and good the shepherd. shepherd. Have you ever shepherded sheep? I've never I done have. that. Nope. There are all kinds of essays out there about how shepherds have to handle their sheep. You have to lead them. You can't force them from behind. Um, would you translate you know that, that to toddlers? What would you? Yeah, I don't know. What would be your you sermon know, analogy for shepherds? It's a good question. Maybe, uh, maybe some kind of coach. Maybe the coach of the Bad News Bears. Oh, dude, that's um, Walter Matthau. Yeah, there you go. Um, one thing that is interesting about sheep is they don't really have depth perception. Mm. So shadows or, or water really freak them out. And also, like human beings, shadows of our darkness and also the waters of baptism freak us out. Freak us out. Exactly. There you go. Is your sermon tell just going to be shadows and water? That's actually, that's a great idea. I'm going to write that down. By the way, for our listeners, he's actually writing this down. (laughs) I'll send you an honorarium, Scott, if I go with that. 25 bucks? Sure. All right. I like that. So some people have have wondered, because this, so if, if, uh, if Acts was going out, uh, was Peter coming against the Sadducees? This is Jesus coming against the Pharisees. And, and this could be, some people have said, a post AD 70 reflection on how the Pharisees are, are the group that, that won, you know, no more temple, no more Sadducees. So the Pharisees are the group that's trying to redefine, um, Judaism at the, at the time when John is, is writing the gospel and that, that he's got some things to say about how they're doing that. And that, that, that they are characterized here as the, as the hired hands. So that's a little exegetical or extra exegetical tidbit uh, for folks that would probably no one wants to hear preached. No, but I think that's often like, I, you know, I think of like James Comey, right? Like, and this is weird to talk about something that's political in the lecturing podcast, but Comey was a guy who was really like ethical his whole career. And then he tried to sort of be a little too ethical. And when you ever, mm. when you try to revere the law, you know, and put your thumb on the scales one or the other, you, you get crucified. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the thing where like, it's funny, like it doesn't matter who or what mask the adversary of the gospel and grace dons, like, you know, even re- the religious mask, like Turkmata, you know, you can oppose the liberating grace of God in any guise. Mm-hmm. And it's why like, you know, the tribalism in this country is killing us because we don't have any, you know, this is the kind of thing where the adversary is like, yeah, let's put gasoline on that fire. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, when really, instead of like demonizing the adversary, we should look to the advocate, right? First John. Yeah, exactly. An- another biblical illusion that folks might want to pull in if they're preaching uh, from this passage um, is uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, which is a stark contrast between bad shepherds, false teachers who are leading the people astray versus God, who is the good shepherd. So you, 
I think it would be a good uh, a good guess that uh, that Jesus is drawing on that comparison here in in John's Gospel. Well, Glenn, I hope you draw on that comparison. I might if I preach on this passage. <laughs> Do we need to talk about Psalm twenty three? Well, we can. We have a little time. It uh, seems to pop up in the lectionary in several spots, and if you're going to have a good Shepherd Sunday, I guess you have to have this psalm, don't you? Yeah. I, I'll just say I'll say one thing about it that I, I found, uh, and I have to credit um, Joel Lamont, who wrote a commentary on the Working Preacher site. Uh, he said that verse six of Psalm 23 um, could be uh, translated um, only goodness and mercy mm. pursue me mm. uh, with, with the agency of God coming after us, um, not following behind, but, but coming after us uh, actively. Um, so if you're, I'd say if you're going to preach on Psalm 23, you're going to have to tweak it just a little bit. I like that as a tweak. Um, only goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Yeah. I also like, I shall not want. Yeah. Because I think, like, you know, when we're infants and we want our toys, if we had, like, adult power, we cut our parents' heads off, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of maturity is this, like, I learned to, like, want and not kill people. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I shall not be in want or I shall not want. Like, it's this sense of, like, you know, God is really alive and, and meets our needs in ways, even when we feel like our needs are not met, he's there in presence. Mm-hmm. And we walk by faith and not by sight. There you go. You brought it back around. Blind sheep. <laughs> Glenn, thanks for doing this again. It's great. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating write a review, and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Glenn for coming on the podcast. You can find his stuff at meaningfulworship.blogspot.com. And thanks to you again for listening. Till next time, friends, fare thee well.